What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore. I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I don't know. I just don't see the point anymore. So you didn't make the dress list. There are greater tragedies in the world. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad to prove to everyone prove that I worked... what? That I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of crap. You're five feet nothing. A hundred and nothing. And you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't going to never happen. Now go on back. I'm sorry I never got you to see your first game in here. Hell, I've seen too many games in this stadium. I thought you said you never saw a I've game. I've never seen a game from the stands. You were a player? I rode the bench for two years. Thought I wasn't being played because of my color. I got filled up with a lot of attitude. So I quit. Still not a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. You hear me clear enough? and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from the movie Rudy. You know, remember when we remember when people used to be uh, concerned about being able to prove to themselves what they could do, what kind of accomplishments that they had, who they were, and you know, people people today, the kids today, they don't they just don't even care. Hey, you know, I don't care. I don't need to be I don't need to do this. I just want to just want to smoke my weed and and uh, play my video games and uh, I don't really care of, about accomplishing anything. Remember remember those days? And then of course the uh the where uh where the uh uh the guy that used to play rock, I can't remember his name, uh offhand when he's talking about, "Hey, you know, I rode the, I rode the bench for 2 years and I thought I wasn't being played because of my color." And so I quit. You know what? And he's he, and he's basically saying Hey, you know what? I had a chip on my shoulder because I thought that I was I was losing opportunities because I was black, and I and not a day goes by that I don't regret that I quit. You know what? Remember those days? Remember you know the those kind of days? And you know what? 
when Barack Obama got into office, he could have said, hey, there's no more excuses anymore. I'm a, the first black president, the first leader of the free world that I'm a black guy, and I was elected by black people and white people. There's no more excuses. There is no racism in this country anymore. I don't know. It seems like, uh, seems like uh, uh, that guy learned, hey, you know what? I, I thought I, I thought I wasn't being paid played because I'm black, and you know, looking back, I regret that. I regret that. You know, life is hard. Life is hard for everybody. It doesn't matter what your skin color is or what your economic uh, situation is. Life is hard for everybody. I'll tell you, I've been poor and I've been rich, and uh, and life is not easy at either end of the spectrum. You know, you just uh, you know, it's you can you can stress out in more style if you got money, but uh, it's still the same. So anyway, uh, that song was "The World We Knew" by Daughtry. Um, Chris Daughtry, uh, you know, he he. I think I think the the message is clear there. Hey, which we could all get back to that world we knew. And when I think about the world we knew, all that's bring this up. I may go into this in more detail next week, but uh, we learned today that uh, the the things that the that the government is doing, that's forcing out there. Uh, now there's a new plan in California for power companies to change the way they charge us based on our income. Really? Not how much energy you use. I mean, I know I'm an energy whore at my house, and uh, that's why I used to pay $15,000 a year for electricity before I got my solar uh, solar system. And so I paid a big chunk up front so that I wouldn't have the, the monthly bill anymore. Um, and that paid for itself. Um, but it wasn't because I make more money that I pay more. It was because... Because uh, we have three air conditioners and we liked it cold like a refrigerator and during the summer. And uh, we got three pool pumps on our pool. And we just like our house to be lit up like a church all the time. Because, uh, you know, if you come by our house, it looks the same whether if we're there or we're out of town. It looks the same because it's all lit up whether we're there or not because I don't worry about the electric bill. Um, and, I, and until I got solar, I paid for that. Um, but now they want to say, hey, if you if you make uh, $28,000 to $69,000, then you get then you get charged less and then you go from 69 to 180 and then you get you pay way more if you make over 180,000. Well, in this state, in this state, it's almost you almost can't even get started anymore unless you make 180,000. Then then uh, um, the Federal Housing Finance Agency is changing things about how mortgages are going to go. And this starts May 1st. And of course, we'll come up with a, a way to stop this or we'll come up with a way to uh, manipulate around it. But now they're going to they're gonna penalize you for having high credit scores. Really? If you've got a, if you've got a credit score uh, from uh, 680 up to above 780 and you put down uh, 15 to 20%, you're going to pay higher fees, higher fees for your loan so we can subsidize the people that don't pay their bills on time. So they'll have, and and the words, the what I've heard is, what I've heard is, if you put fifteen to twenty percent down and you got a seven eighty FICO score, um, you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay an extra point in fee, which is one percent of your loan, to the uh, in in cost to Fannie Mae. So since there's a limit to how much you're allowed to be charged, that means you're just gonna have to say, hey, you know, if you're gonna pay a point and a half anyway. On your loan, and now you got to pay two and a half. That's going to push you over over the uh, limits on what you can be charged. So, so what are we going to have to do? You just have to pay a higher interest rate. And if you've got less than six eighty, 
you're going to get a 1.75% credit towards your toward your your interest rate. So they're going to reward the people that don't pay their bills on time and make less money and don't have down payments and they're going to uh, penalize those of us that have that have worked hard to to save money and worked hard to uh, to have good credit. Does this make any sense? Is this the world we knew? Not yesterday and not today. You know, of course this is May 1st. That's a uh, a week from Monday. So the world we know now is, is different than the world we knew years ago. And the world that we know ne- a week from Monday is going to be different if you're financing a house. That won't hurt the fi- the housing the housing uh, industry. No, not at all. Hey, so I got all kinds of stuff to talk about, about the, the world we knew and uh, the world that we know now and, and how nothing makes sense anymore. Uh, but before I do, let me introduce myself. For those who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk with me about uh, real estate or financing, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet because it's so personal, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo and uh, put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates who will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle, whether that's to uh, purchase a piece of property that you'd like to own or whether you'd like to refinance a piece of property that you already own, whether you want to, uh, and you know what, and here's some, here's some things that you should be considering is that uh, the interest rates on on credit cards have gone in the last year from average of 14% to average of 20%. Those are for the good cards. The uh, HELOC rates out there are up, about, up above 9% now. The uh, average car payment out there has gone from a year ago, $400, the average car payment out there, to $800 over the last year. You know what? A lot of you guys don't want to consolidate your debts because you have such a good first mortgage, but um, it could really make a big difference in consolidating your debts to get rid of those high interest, blend them into your mortgage, do a cash-out refinance now. And cash-out refinances cost more than then uh, no cash out refinances. But then a year from now when the recession's in and Fannie and the, the Fed starts dropping the rates and the rates really drop, then do a rate and term refinance, meaning no cash out. And and those are at the lowest rates. And then do the then do that that uh that refinance when you have to do no cash out. Anyway, just a thought if that make if that uh, sparks some interest, a five five six four zero twenty twenty or at Hoffman.net. If uh, there's any part of the show you want repeated or you missed missed it uh, when it's on the radio, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, and you can hear this show as well as several past shows on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and you can uh, where you can go on and subscribe for free where uh, it'll automatically download every week onto your device. Uh, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. All right, so uh, let's talk about what's going on. Every week, there's a new story on how the Chinese Communist Party is infiltrating America. This week, it's the revelation that the Chinese government was running a secret police station in New York City for nearly a year. And guess what? This isn't the only one. More on that in a minute. The station, located in the heart of Manhattan's Chinatown neighborhood, was masked as a center run by local volunteers 
to help Chinese citizens renew documents and offer other services, so things like driver's licenses, immigration documents, etc. But in addition to that, this quote-unquote community center was ground zero for 44 Chinese nationals operating on behalf of the Chinese government, and 34 of them are confirmed to be Chinese state police officers under the Ministry of Public Security, or the MPS. That's the media-friendly label, but let's call these people what they are, spies. These are 44 Chinese spies operating in New York City. And now we're learning that there may be many more of these stations across the country, including two right here in California. According to the human, human rights group Safeguard Defenders, there's still another station that's at an undisclosed address in New York City, as well as stations in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Houston. And China has also set up stations in Middle America. So far, we know there's one in Nebraska and one in Minnesota. These guys are sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky, sir. Yeah, they're sneaky. They're, they're popping up. And if, there's, and if there's one in Nebraska and one in Minnesota, you know there's one in every state in the country. I don't know. This seems, uh, this seems uh, suspicious to me. Hiding be behind the facade of being a community organization, the spies at Manhattan Station spent time harassing and intimidating Chinese dissidents living in America. The goal being to bully those dissidents into returning to China, where they would no doubt be persecuted by the government for defecting to the U.S., much of this harassment was conducted over social media using fake accounts. So these people uh, know that China screwed up. They escape. They come to they come to America, and they're out there talking uh, talking smack behind China's back on uh, on uh, on how things are in China. So these guys are going to come over and harass them to get them to go back to China. I don't know. That just doesn't seem like a uh, like a logical plan to me. Also added to this week's criminal complaint are the eight Chinese nationals who were busted in 2020 for shutting down Zoom meetings where the anti-CCP discussions were, were happening. One of them, just Julian Jin, was actually employed by Zoom, but he's never left China, so good luck getting, getting him here to stand trial. So how's this secret police station able to operate in the first place? For a Manhattan location, the answer is by hiding behind a community nonprofit. So just like Black Lives Matter and the Clinton Global Initiative, the Rainbow Push Coalition, ACORN, and uh, don't forget the NFL. The building where the station was located, uh, 107 East Broadway, is owned and operated by a nonprofit called America Chang Lee Association New York Incorporated. That nonprofit says its mission is to be a social gathering place for Fujianese people, people from Fujian, China. Gee, do you think American Chang Lee Association New York knew they were housing secret police station for the Chinese government? That's a rhetorical question. They knew. Last year, the group held a gala dinner with New York City Mayor, Mayor Eric Adams as the guest of honor. And that event was not disclosed on the mayor's official agenda. Hmm, I wonder why. Does that mean uh, maybe some of these uh, meetings in, uh, by Joe Biden with Hunter Biden's uh, business partners were not uh, disclosed in his uh, agenda when he was working in the White House? I don't know. It just seems peculiar to me. That part of the story was, was not disclosed in the press conference held by the Eastern District of New York's U.S. Attorney's Office on Monday. Instead, U.S. Attorney Breon Peace spun a dramatic tale of a partnership between his office and the FBI where the two agencies worked together 
to serve justice on a silver platter. Just across the Brooklyn Bridge, this nondescript office building in the heart of bustling Chinatown in lower Manhattan has a dark secret. Until several months ago, an entire floor of this building hosted an undeclared police station of the Chinese National Police. At the very least, the station was providing some government services, like helping Chinese citizens renew their Chinese driver's licenses. More troubling, though, is the fact that the secret police station appears to have had a more sinister use. On at least one occasion, an official with the Chinese National Police directed one of the defendants, a U.S. citizen who worked at the secret police station, to help locate a pro-democracy activist of Chinese descent living in California. In other words, the Chinese National Police appear to have been using the station to track a U.S. resident on U.S. soil. The two defendants whose arrests we're announcing today destroyed evidence of their communications with the Chinese National Police when they learned of the FBI's investigation. These two defendants knew they had something to hide and they obstructed justice in an attempt to prevent the FBI from learning the full extent of what they were up to. Wait a minute. You mean that them deleting evidence that they were communicating with the Chinese government um, is, called, is obstruction of justice? Removing and deleting information off your phone so you can't trace back that you were communicating with Chinese government is obstruction of justice. I don't know. This just makes me think of Hillary Clinton, you know, destroying their uh, her BlackBerry and and uh, and and uh, destroying them with hammers. Uh, I don't know. She didn't get charged with obstruction of justice. And of course, you know, you would think the FBI could have been more covert and not tell them they were being investigated, so they wouldn't have known to destroy the evidence before they got it. Uh, or were they covert? Maybe maybe the FBI hired a, a Chinese spy in there, and that's how they knew. I don't know. It just seems uh, seems like somebody in the FBI is not doing their job. As the U.S. US attorney said, we only have two arrests right now. Liu Jianwang of 61 and Cheng Jinping, 59. These two are believed to have established the station and closed it down when they learned the FBI, of the FBI investigation. Again... How did they know about it? You'd think the FBI would be uh, covert enough to be able to investigate without letting them know that they're being investigated. The other 40-plus spies have already fled back to China. Great job, everyone. Great job. Liu and Chen were arrested at their homes in Brooklyn this week. And right after both of them posted their six-figure bonds, they were immediately released. Again, great job. That's Joe Biden's Department of Justice. You know what? They hadn't been arraigned. None of that stuff. They just... Came in, posted bond, and see ya. So as of right now, these very powerful Chinese spies are still at large. We're supposed to feel great about uh, knowing that they aren't permitted to travel within half a mile of Chinese consulate or communicate with co-conspirators. But they've probably already done both those things, and they're probably back in China now. Neither one has entered a plea, but both were given public defenders. And as it, turned out, as it turns out, the FBI had these guys pegged in October which is why Liu and Chen shut down the station in the first place. So why are they just being now arrested and released uh, six months later? I don't know. It seems peculiar to me. They don't, But don't worry. U.S. Attorney Breon Peace, 
says they will be held accountable. Last October, FBI agents conducted a judicially authorized search of the secret police station and interviewed both Lou and Chun and seized their phones. In subsequent interviews with agents, Lou and Chun admitted that they had deleted communications with the MPS official from their phones after learning about the ongoing FBI investigation. As we allege, that is obstruction of justice. The defendant's actions under the direction of the Chinese government are flagrant violations of American sovereignty. And thanks to our investigation and arrest today with the FBI, the defendants will be held accountable and the MPS is on notice that we will not tolerate similar threats to our national sovereignty. Yeah, I feel better knowing that they'll be held, they'll be held accountable. Uh, of course, you, uh, you let them destroy evidence and you let them, and you let them go. What is anybody thinking? What is anybody thinking here? Thankfully, we have representatives on both sides of the aisle demanding accountability. This is Seth Moulton, Democrat from Massachusetts, with Republicans Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Ronnie Jackson of Texas, and Carlos Jimenez, not Jimenez, it's spelled with a G, of Florida. This is absolutely absurd that the Chinese Communist Party thinks that they can set up their own police station in a place like New York City. I think this is a coordinated plan. I think that the Chinese are embedding uh, Chinese nationals throughout our country. They have no respect for us. They have no respect for this administration. They're a force that's intended to coerce and intimidate those that are here. I think that they have more on their way. I think this is very concerning. It's about time that we do something about it. I mean, why do the Chinese need a police station in the United States? Why would we even allow it? Yeah, so let's uh, let's uh, connect the dots. Let's follow the bouncing ball here. We're not even done with the first half of 2023 yet, and so far we've got secret Chinese police stations across America. This Manhattan one is just the beginning, and we know San Francisco, Los Angeles, and uh, another one in New York City, and uh, Nebraska, and Minnesota. The other ones we just haven't noticed yet. We haven't identified them yet. Chinese spy balloons flying over the military installations. Uh, we have Chinese nationals flooding over the southern border, which, hmm, why would they come in through the southern border? Because they don't want us to be able to know they're here. An EV battery plant run by Chinese, China, an EV battery plant run by China being set up in, in Michigan. At the same time, the Biden administration is forcing Americans into total EV conversions. So the battery plant we talked a little bit about last year, we, or last week, and we talked about it the week before in detail. So you got a battery plant that the that the that the taxpayers are paying for, 585 million. Chinese the Chinese people are bringing in their own people to run it. They're being housed at at a, the university in Michigan, and so it's not American jobs, but it's to make batteries for all these for all these uh, EV EV cars. Um, that we're being forced to to uh, to buy, and millions of dollars from Chinese companies pouring into bank accounts of nine members of the Biden family. Yep, it's up to nine. It's up to nine members now. Meanwhile, meanwhile, on top of this, so you know what? Does it make you feel creepy about what's going on with China? Does it make you feel a little uncomfortable? Wouldn't you love to know that uh, that we had competent leadership? Don't you miss Donald Trump? And Mike Pompeo 
and all the rest of that of that cabinet of people that have their eyes open, that are watching, that have some sort we have that, that have some sort of lock on the southern border, that see what's coming over here, that notice what's going on. Meanwhile, China's uh, China's meeting with Putin, so they can they can change make changes that are over a hundred years coming, and they're doing it together with a with a friendship without limits. Uh, China's meeting with Brazil, or it's, I guess the people in Brazil are meeting with with China and with Putin. Do you see what's happening here? I mean, I know I know uh, Joe Biden didn't notice that that uh, Russians were lining up lining up to attack Ukraine, so he didn't do anything because they hadn't done anything yet. But can you see what's going on now? Hey, I'm all, I'm all out of time for the first half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials, and sports. We'll be back with lots, lots more. To the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing, but there's lots to talk about in the real estate and financing uh, department. And uh, if you've uh, if you've got a ton of debt, you've got a ton of debt out there, and you need to uh, consolidate it with your real estate uh, equity, um, don't don't get put off by the uh, by the fact that interest rates have gone up. There's a there's more to that strategy. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. So uh, we were talking about what's going on with with uh, China infiltrating our co- country. Uh, apparently, none nobody in the Biden administration is, uh, is paying attention to it. But we are, and you should be. And it's, uh, it's scary. Will we make it? For the next 20 months, to where to where it's possible to to turn this thing around, it's uh, pretty scary. I'm gonna probably need to be ordering uh, that uh, that uh, what's that program that you learn different languages? Rosetta Stone. I have to I have to order a Rosetta Stone uh, thing for Chinese so we can be speaking Chinese because we'll be uh, bowing down to Xi Jinping before too long. You know, you guys think, well, he's being he's he's uh, way out there on this one. I don't think so. The Democrats are destroying our country uh, by installing that sprig of broccoli. So, uh, so anyway, let's talk about what's going on with the child labor here. Sometimes the New York Times does its job, especially when Democrats need their help to push Joe Biden out by next year. This week, the Times reported that that many of the 250,000 children who arrived in the U.S. As unaccompanied minors since Biden took office are totally unaccounted for and they're believed to be working in slave labor. Just been informed that all of your children are missing. Yeah, we just don't know where they're at. Did Biden administration know about this? You bet they did. From the Times report, thousands of children have ended up in punishing jobs across the country, working overnight in slaughterhouses, replacing roofs, operating machinery in factories, all in violation of the labor laws, a recent Times investigation showed. After the article's publication in February, the White House announced the policy changes and a crackdown on companies that hire children. All right, let's not 
lose track of them. Let's not work on not losing track of, of children. Let's crack down on the companies that hire children as if they're reporting this stuff. But all along, there were signs of explosive growth in this labor force and warnings that the Biden administration ignored or missed. Again and again, veteran government staffers and outside contractors told the Health and Human Services Department and its secretary, Javier Becerra, our former uh, state attorney general, that children appeared to be at risk. The Labor Department put out news releases noting an increase in child labor. Senior White House aides were shown evidence of exploitation, such as clusters of migrant children who had been found working with industrial equipment or caustic chemicals. As the administration scrambled to clear shelters that were strained beyond capacity, children were released with little support to sponsors who expected them to take on grueling, dangerous jobs. In interviews with the Times, officials expressed concern for migrant children, but shifted blame for failing to protect them. Surprise, surprise, surprise! You know what? No, everybody's pointing their fingers. You know, I'm surprised that they haven't haven't pointed their fingers at Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump did this. The Health and Human Services officials said the department vetted sponsors sufficiently. I'm satisfied. Yes, I'm satisfied. They said they, they vetted the sponsors sufficiently. Well, they said it, so it must be true. But they could not control what happened to children after they were released. Monitoring workplace, they said, was the job of the Department of Labor. All right. Health and Human Services says, uh, hey, we, we checked out these sponsors. We expect, uh, but we can control what happens after after we give the children to them. And, you know, hey, it, this is the Labor Department's problem. Labor Department said inspectors had increased their focus on child labor and shared details about workers with HHS. But they said the Labor Department is not a welfare agency. All right. So HHS says, hey. We can't we can't control what happens afterwards, and you know the checking uh, keeping track of uh, of workplaces is the labor labor department labor department says well hey you know what we uh, we're checking out for uh, this stuff, but the labor department we're not a welfare agency so we're not looking out for for uh, for kids that are being abused. Hmm, I just don't know what to say. Kind of like when I built my commercial building, and and every time there was a problem. The contractor said, well, you know, the architect screwed this up on the plans. And the architect said, no, the contractor. And either way, I end up writing a check. If you don't know, if you're thinking about building a building and you're, and you're uh, wondering how you uh, stay away from something like that going on in your life, read my book. Read my book, Experience Matters. Here's mine. Available everywhere. Um, the White House official said that while the two departments had passed along information about migrant child labor, the reports were not flagged as urgent and did not make it clear the scope of the problems. So let's see. HHS says, hey, we can't control the kids after they're, after we drop them off. Labor Department said, hey, we're not a welfare agency. And the White House said, well, hey, they weren't flagged as urgent, so we didn't, we didn't pay attention to it. So the same people who cared so much about migrants under a different president are now turning a blind eye to migrant children being used as slave labor. But here they are just a few years ago. Who built the cages, let's, Joe? Let's talk about what Who we're built talking the cages, about. Let's Joe? talk about what we're talking about. What happened? Parents were ripped, their kids were ripped from their arms and separated. And now they cannot find over 500 of sets of those parents and those kids are alone. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. It's criminal. We are not getting the accounts of migrants, of their treatment of what they are experiencing 
And so when these women tell me that they were put into a cell and that their sink was not working and we tested the sink ourselves and the sink was not working and they were told to drink out of a toilet bowl, I believed them. There were American flags hanging all over these facilities that children were being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. Oh my God, I feel so terrible. The kids should have felt better because they were in front of an American flag because life was so terrible in Mexico. That's why they came here, right? They should feel better. They don't, not with their parents and they're in American. They're by an American flag. Oh my God, how terrible. <clears throat> the drama is just is just overwhelming. You know how many times AOC has tweeted after the treatment of migrants under Biden? Eh, once. You know, that was that was like her full-time job. And of course, we remember Candace Owens went down to one of the facilities and she goes, I can't believe these places. It's so nice. They're clean. Food and snacks for all the kids. And there's a soccer field out there. And there's there's computers for them to to play to 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 go on and do their homework and there's and there's uh, video games and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Oh my God, we're putting them in cages. On Tuesday, Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas, Mr. Monotone, uh, well, this is what we're doing, was in the hot seat with the Senate Homeland Security Committee. Here he is attempting to defend himself when Josh Hawley presented the New York Times report. Have you seen this report from the New York Times alone and exploited migrant children work brutal jobs across the United States? Have you seen this? Senator, I have, and let me share with you what we are doing. Have you seen these numbers? These are reports of trafficking and abuse of migrant children. You can see a massive surge that begins to happen when? Oh, when you come to office in 2021. Huge surge, reports of trafficking, reports of neglect and abuse. Senator, the horrific exploitation of children is something that we do not condone. You are um, incorrectly attributing it uh, to our policies. You began pressuring officials and agencies to skip the vetting process and get these kids out as soon as possible to sponsors who weren't vetted. Here's the times again, as shelters filled with children the administration began loosening vetting restrictions and urging case managers to speed the process along. You have at every stage facilitated this modern day indentured servitude of minor children. Why should you not be impeached for this? Senator, I, I look forward to discussing this issue further because you are misstating the facts uh, so uh, terribly. Yeah, I look forward to uh, to discussing this with you when the cameras aren't on, making me look stupid. Uh, you know, it, uh, this kind of incompetence just inflames me. It just enrages me. I, you know, I, I just, I don't know how 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 Democrats are okay with this, thinking that they're going to reelect Biden, or that that everything's going good. Oh, we don't want Trump. We like how things are. You know, when he talks about indentured servitude, hey, you know, you're you're creating indentured servitude here with all these kids. Indentured servitude is another another word for slavery. You know, uh, when we talked about the slaves, 
uh, before the Civil War. You know, they say, hey, you know what? Uh, we we enslaved all the all these black people, and the black people need to get reparations. Well, you know, there was other other people that were slaves. Uh, Irish people were coming in, and but they called it indentured servitude. So you don't get reparations for indentured servitude, only slavery. Hmm. You don't get a you don't get a uh, you don't get a, a rebates on colas, only coke. Coke's a brand name, so I don't know. And maybe I, maybe that's not the right uh, not the right term. But yeah, it's two different words for the same thing. But you know what? We're gonna give reparations to the African Americans, uh, but not the Irish people. And yet another Title Forty Two deadlines on the horizon in May, and it's time for Mayorkas to once again pretend like he cares about the security of the border. Here's Ron Johnson. We have no idea who those people are, what kind of security they risk. You're not giving me any stats whatsoever in terms of the number of people that are human trafficked, how many young girls are sex trafficked. You don't have a clue. You wouldn't even answer how many dead bodies, which is very well documented, at the border. Do you not care? Do you not have just an ounce of human compassion for what your open border policy, the type of human depredations it is causing? You just sit there looking with a blank look on your face and you're saying it's a priority. Senator, let me let me um, first communicate a premise, which is we are very, very focused on the security of our border. No, no you're number, not. No, you're not. I, I don't want to listen to that. You ought to resign. Well, I have a number of uh, responses. Um, the senator mischaracterizes our policies with respect to the security of the southern border. Uh, the senator, of course, disparagingly mischaracterizes our commitment to address human trafficking and the exploitation of vulnerable individuals, including children. And the senator uh, misstates the data because he confuses encounters with unique individuals. But a number of things I'd have to say in addition to the senator's uh, statements, and I would look forward to doing so, Senator Johnson, uh, subsequent to this hearing. Really? Really? He can he can state everything that's going on, but he needs he needs to watch Rudy and listen to this clip. I don't care what kind of job I did. If it doesn't produce results, it doesn't mean anything. Exactly. It doesn't matter what your policies are. doesn't matter what your commitments are or what your focus is uh, or what you take seriously. If people are coming in the southern border, bringing in fentanyl, bringing in uh, kids, and we're just parting them out to quote-unquote sponsors who put them into child labor, uh, child labor, uh, breaking child labor laws, put them into indentured servitude, slavery. I don't know. That seems like you're not doing your job. It's called competence versus diversity. Wednesday, it was the House's turn to grill Mayorkas. Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia. And this is an example of why I love Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, August Pfluger of Texas and Clay Higgins of Louisiana. How long are you going to let this go on? Congresswoman, let me assure you that we're not letting it go on. We are fighting this. No, I reclaim my time. You're a liar. You are letting this go on and the numbers prove it. You can't lie about the facts, Secretary Secretary Mayorkas. While you live in denial and sit over there with this attitude that you're doing everything right, you are killing Americans with your policy. Do you disagree with the head Border Patrol agent when he said that our border is not secure? Congressman, I have testified to that issue. So you do disagree with him? You disagree with your chief of Border Patrol? I respectfully do in that regard. We could give you money to to hire a thousand new border agents. Nobody wants to work for you. We're done, done, 
done with your lies to America. It's shameful what you brought upon our country. Yep, I love that. And I love I love when, uh, you know, like every like every hearing, you got the the Democrats on the committee that come in and tell him what a great job he's doing. And uh, and uh, Eric Swalwell, uh, Swallowell, as I call him, um, was just got done before Marjorie Taylor Greene came on. And she said and she just kind of ridiculed him and goes, goes, you know what? You say all this stuff and we all know you had a sexual relationship with a with a Chinese spy. And then they jumped in and said, oh, said, hey, you're taking personal personal uh, attacks on on the other people on the committee. That's not allowed. Would you like to to uh, to retract your your comments? And she said, no, I wouldn't. I love that. You know, it's just she says the things that we're thinking that everyone else is too polite to say. And uh, you know what? And, you know, hey, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, he's the Homeland Security Secretary. Does he have any experience in that? I don't know, but he's clearly incompetent. But he is Cuban. You know, he's a Hispanic guy born in Cuba. You know what? Diversity, not competence. Let's talk about some more incompetence. California's Dianne Feinstein, currently the longest-serving member of the U.S. Senate, facing pressure from fellow Democrats to resign. The 89-year-old senator, 89, I think she's uh, 890. I think that's a misprint. I think she's 890 years old. But it says 89-year-old senator has has not voted since February as she recovers from shingles. How did she get shingles? Is that something else you get from having a COVID vaccine? Ah, I, di- I digress. Uh, so why do they want her out so bad? Because her absence is in the in the Senate is stalling Democrats' efforts to confirm Biden's judicial nominees. There are currently 10 nominees for federal judgeships eligible for a vote inside the Senate Judiciary Committee and two more in the pipeline for consideration. Democrats need Feinstein's vote on the committee or else it's likely they won't be able to push those nominees through. With lots of abortion cases happening in the federal courts, Democrats need all the votes they can get to appoint judges who rule in favor of abortion rights, among other signature causes of the Democrat Party. So that's why we're hearing from Feinstein's fellow fellow Democrat women of Congress throwing her under the bus like uh, Pramila Jaipal of Washington State. Every senator gets to make this decision for themselves. There is a lot at stake. She has had a phenomenal career, and I hope that she uh, continues to think about what's best for the country and really uses that to make her decision. Yeah, she has the, her, it's her decision, but I hope she thinks about what's best for the country. You know, it's like being a, like having a Jewish, Jewish mother, you know, serve everything up with a good, with a good side dish of guilt. Chuck Schumer came to the rescue, though, on Tuesday this week, as he announced that he has chosen Ben Cardin of Maryland to replace Feinstein on the, on the Judiciary Committee. Our colleague and friend has made her wish clear that another senator temporarily serve on the Judiciary Committee until she returns. I thank Senator Cardin for agreeing to step in. So today, I am acting not just as leader, but as Diane's friend in honoring her wishes until she returns to the Senate. Yeah, I think she needs to just stay out. And while we're talking about people that should stay out because they're not capable health-wise of, of, uh, of doing their job as, you know, representing their, their constituents, uh, let's talk about John Fetterman. After his treatment for depression, which he admits also, all, almost led him to suicide, 
John Fetterman of Pennsylvania returned to his job in the Senate this week. So we elected a guy that was currently incapable of, that was currently obviously incapable of, of doing the job. He had a stroke right after he won the primary. And of course, I talked to my, to my favorite sister in, uh, in Pennsylvania and uh, my favorite Democrat, uh, Democrat to a fault about uh, who she was going to vote for since she lives in Pennsylvania. And she goes, what? You want me to vote for a TV doctor? And I said, well, he's a doctor. He's not the guy that played Marcus Welby on TV. He's not a, an actor playing a doctor. He's an actual doctor. John Fetterman's missing half of his brain. So, uh, so they, pushed, they pushed him into the Senate seat. And uh, maybe we should uh, investigate his wife for abuse as well by pushing him in there right along with uh, Jill Biden. And, uh, and he was so incapable of doing his job that he thought about committing suicide. So to, to uh, avoid committing suicide, he checked himself in for depression. As Fetterman, who suffered a stroke during his campaign last year, struggled to read directly from a script, it was immediately clear how brutally this man is being used by the Democrat Party. I called to this hearing of the U.S. Senate Subcommittee and Food and Nutrition, especially crops, organics, and research to order. SNAP is one of the most effective programs to fight hunger and poverty in the country. In my time in effort in IFAS, as the mayor of Braddock to lieutenant governor to now, I have heard from Pennsylvanians about their support for SNAP. Hunger is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. It's all of our issue that we have to take it on. We need to come together and stop playing political games with Americans' access to food. Americans like Chair about Clory Jor from the north to the town of Northeast in Pennsylvania tells me that his victim was skimming, which was when somebody stole money and he relied from its SNAP EBT. Mr. Jor is not the first Pennsylvanian I've heard this from. I fear he won't be the last. And I will work in this farm bill to modernize SNAP to work to recipients in the 21st century. Yeah, it's more dramatic when you see it on TV. You see him struggling. You see Debbie Stabenow uh, sitting next to him and trying, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, like a, like a, um, a mom uh, helping her, her, uh, her kids learn to read. Keep in mind, it's only been about a month since 60 Minutes host Leslie Stahl tried to get Fetterman to say he wanted to run for president. Your trajectory uh, from mayor to lieutenant governor United States Senator was still pointing up. At 53 in politics, that's a young man. Can you have aspirations? Can you serve beyond the United States Senate? You know, my aspiration is to take my son to the restaurant that we were supposed to go during his birthday, but couldn't because I had to check myself in for depression. Yep, got great. He's got great uh, aspirations. That's uh, you know every state gets two senators, and that's who Pennsylvania has. And uh, you know California gets two senators, and we have uh, uh, Feinstein, who's too old to really do her job, and she's not in good health, and she's uh, about as coherent as Joe Biden is. And uh, but that's who we have in the Senate representing our state as well. 
it's pretty uh it's pretty depressing you know what i have a, a whole section i was going to go over on the on the debt ceiling standoff and uh but i don't have time to do it i'll i'll push this into next week but the uh because i'm going to run out of time but i want to play this i want to play this one clip um from uh of kevin mccarthy um it's that time of year when both parties are in a standoff over raising the debt ceiling Monday, Speaker McCarthy gave a speech from the New York Stock Exchange to call out Biden for refusing to meet on this for more than two months. Let me play this one this one clip. I met with President Biden at the White House on February 1st, 75 days ago. During our meeting, I told the president clearly, let's find a way to come to an agreement like we have before. Had the president agreed to negotiate in good faith, we'd already be done. Unfortunately, I have not heard from the White House since our very first meeting. The bloated, overgrown bureaucracy that has expanded under President Biden needs to be pruned. For 75 days, the president has ignored the debt ceiling. This isn't something to be played with. As Speaker of the House, I have a responsibility to tell the nation that that has got to stop. You know what? Uh, when, when we run out of money to pay our bills... I hope the I hope the Republicans stand firm and don't raise the debt ceiling like like was done uh, during uh, Clinton's term and uh, Newt Gingrich was the Speaker of the House and they held they held strong and shut down the government for for three weeks till they found some uh, some compromise and hey you know we just can't keep raising the debt ceiling without uh, cutting the cutting the spend we keep running out of money for a reason and we're not even running out of our own money we're running out of our credit card money. You know, during Obama, uh, they shut down for 16 days in 2013. And during Trump, was shut down for three days in 18 and 35 days in uh, between 18 and 19, the end of uh, 2018 and 19, uh, beginning of 19. And you know what? Hey, you know what happens when, the, when it gets shut down? We don't default on our debt. We just don't pay the, pay the congressmen and senators and, the, and uh, all the federal employees. They get vouchers. And so they get to sit at home and do nothing and still get paid uh, with vouchers. And then we just pay, them, pay those vouchers back at the end. Hey, anyway, we'll talk more about that in detail next week. But uh, I'm all out of time for this week. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. And I'll be back again with you next week. <laughs>